Peace. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there Clarence Reed with Nobody But You, Babe. Clarence Reed, a.k.a. Blowfly, which kind of ties into today's interviews on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And interview Blowfly is from Florida with T-Pain, rapper T-Pain from Florida, and also a conversation with Tom, the drummer, Uncle Tom, the drummer of Blowfly's band from Florida, T-Pain and Tom on the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show here today. That was Clarence Reed, as I mentioned, a.k.a. Blowfly. And Blowfly kind of makes me think of Michael Lucas from the band The Phantom Surfers, who had Blowfly on their Triple X Party LP released 
probably about 10 years ago on Lookout Records. He first kind of hepped me to Blowfly's modern existence. Before that, I'd been told about Blowfly via Tom Price a.k.a. Tom Stewart from Furnace Face. No, Tom Price is actually from the great band Gas Huffer and the U-Man, and props out to you, Tom, if you're listening right now. But Tom Stewart told me about Blowfly. So when Michael Lucas reintroduced me to the world of Blowfly, I got all excited about Blowfly and Blowfly being out of Florida. I had to interview him every time he would come through town and ask every rapper about Blowfly. So Michael Lucas, the first time I met him, I met him when the Mummies came through Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Mummies from San Francisco. And when I think of the Mummies, I think of Planet of the Apes because they have such a great tune about the Planet of the Apes. But when I think of the Mummies, I also think of the Planet of the Apes, the original movies that they showed at the International Pop Underground. The International Pop Underground big festival that they had in Olympia, Washington. Yo-Yo Agogo, that sort of thing that they had in the early 90s and they played all the Apes movies all in a row at the Capitol Theater in Olympia, Washington. Like all the Apes movies like back-to-back all night at the Capitol Theater in Olympia, Washington. So I think of the Mummies, I think of Blowfly, I think of Mike Lucas who played in a band, the Phantom Surfers, who toured with the Mummies and of course I think of Planet of the The bizarre world you met on the planet of the apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end. 20th Century Fox takes you beneath the planet of the apes. This is the year 3955 AD. The apes are building a war machine aimed at planet domination. Superhuman mutants strike back with new and terrifying weapons of the mind. In the atomic rubble of what was once the city of New York, Civilization's final battle is about to begin. The only good human is a dead human! Beneath the planet of the apes, with James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Charlton Heston. Can a world long endure half ape, half man? The answer lies deep beneath the planet of the apes. In color, rated G, general audiences. This is the year 3955 AD, beneath the planet of the apes. This year, a young chimpanzee speaks out against the medical experiments being performed on humans. Dr. Zayas, the orangutan physician, urges expansion of the ape kingdom. This year, General Ursus of the ape army makes a fateful address to his high command. The only good human is a dead human! It all happens when 20th Century Fox takes you Beneath the Planet of the Apes, with James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Charlton Heston. In the underground rubble of what was once the city of New York, ape and man clash in a monumental battle beneath the Planet of the Apes, in color-rated G general audiences. The bizarre world you met on the Planet of the Apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end.
The bizarre world you met on the planet of the apes was just the beginning. The only good human is a dead human! 20th Century Fox takes you beneath the planet of the apes. Can a world long endure half ape, half man? The answer lies deep beneath the planet of the apes. In color, rated G, general audiences. Planet of the Apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Rated G general audiences. with You Must Fight to Live on the Planet of the Apes. And before that, a whole bunch of Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes. 
promos that I played from a 45. I don't know if you could tell there, but I had to actually move the needle in between the tracks because it has like one of those grooves that stops that allows DJs just to play one song at a time. So I actually had to move the needle for you, the listeners who are listening to CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Coming up, an interview with Florida's T-Pain and Florida's Uncle Tom, drummer of Blowfly's band, to give us a bit of Florida perspective on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Here is an excerpt from an interview with musician Tippy Agogo, who now resides in Edmonton. This is from the Montreal Mirror on February 21st, 2002. And this is Tippy Agogo getting interviewed. Question, Mirror. I've heard that women's penitentiaries can be a pretty cool place for young men to score a gig. Is that true? Tippy Agogo. Last time I played inside a woman's prison, let me just repeat that, last time, implying that it had happened a couple times, last time I played inside a woman's prison, I did a kind of industrial samba thing with a 13-piece band full of sexy guys and one really hot female dancer who turned out to be really popular with a lot of the inmates. Anyways, halfway through the gig, I sensed that we were missing a percussionist on stage. And then I noticed there were all these giggling women in the audience surrounding a table, blocking it from the view of the guards and everything. You could tell that something was going down over there. And sure enough, they had somehow managed to smuggle our percussionist under the table to take turns doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing with them. When he came out, he was all flush and exhausted. Here's Tippy a go go.
leven in een dorp genaamd Nederland met een brink en een plein en te veel aan verstand. Ik leef in een dorp van eindeloos gedrijfvolk, als romantiek en commercieel te krijgen. Het leger rukt uit met heuse karabijnen. Kom mensen, kijk, zie ons dorp eens kwijt. Daad komt nou allemaal door de jeugd van Nederland. Al de schrijft een ochtendkrant. Protestzong is je van het. Ik slaap met een potlood naast mijn bed. De muren van Den Haag zijn gebroken grijs. Geef mij maar schreeuwend paars en leven op de ijs. De politie wordt met de straffen steeds guller. De volgende verdachte is Peter J. Muller. Want ik zing niet als tober, mooi en voorzichtig. Beter langharig dan kortzichtig. In mijn dorpen, heel groot dicht probleem, want er is niets te doen al door de jaren heen. Al dat geprovoceerd wordt op den duur zo saai. Oh, lieve gemeente, geef ons de oude rij. De mensen in mijn dorp zijn recht en links. Lezen bij de kranten, weten dus van wanten. Ach, mensen van mijn dorp, wat is toch rechts en links? Is rechts soms bach en links de kings. Sing this song again and again, want ik ben zo verliefd, verliefd op Lucien. De man in het zwart vraagt wat ik wil. Geef maar één ons liefde, wat suiker en de pil. Ik loop gekleed in bloemen door het hele dorp. De haren in de wind met twintig nog een kind. Ik vlieg als een vogel, het leven duurt maar even. Lang leven Gerard Cornelis van het leven.
Who are you? Teddy Payne, Teddy pin her ass down, Ted Bunny the bathroom banger, aka three times if you let me, T-Pain, the ringleader man, understand. T-Pain, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, indeed. I thought I would give you a warm gift from Florida to begin with. That'll be awesome. This is a Florida gift to you, and this is from legendary rapper Blowfly. Are you down yeah, with Le there it is. Do you know no. legendary rapper Blowfly? He lives in Florida. Really? Yes, he does. And Detroit right there. Actually, he's from Florida, the <laughs> Miami bass sound. <laughs> That's crazy. So this is Blowfly, and the connection between T-Pain and Blowfly is he witnessed a performance of yours at the Ozone Magazine Awards. Wow. Do you remember that? Yeah. That yeah. I, that apparently was a pretty crazy show. What can you tell the people about that, T-Pain? Um, that was a pretty old show. I kind of didn't know what I was doing at that point in my life. So uh, I was pretty much just coming up with anything I could. I guess you would say I came up with it on the fly. The blowfly, yeah. Uh, he saw you go up on stage and you had to do like four songs. The audience demanded that you do four songs. It was quite, and the power went out. It was yeah. quite a night. Yeah. Is that what it's like in the early days of T-Pain? Exactly. Every show, the power went out, especially in Tallahassee. It wasn't too much, wasn't too much uh, power grid fixings in Tallahassee, I should say. T-Pain, Blowfly loves the Cracker Barrel chain. What do you think about the Cracker Barrel chain? <laughs> um, wow. Well, it's... Uh, like food chain in Tallahassee yeah, in Florida. Yeah. You know, what do you think about the Cracker Barrel? Oh, man, I hate Cracker Barrel. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I hate it. Well, it's owned by a black guy, so... I noticed, T-Pain, there's actually a place called Hip Hop Fish and Chicken. Yes, it is. Hip Hop Fish and Chicken. It's actually owned by... DJ Khaled's uncle. Because that sounds really neat. Hip hop, fish and chicken. Is that pretty tasty? Is that a good place for me to go and check out in Tallahassee, T Pain? Oh, where they got the fish and chicken from? Probably somewhere where hip hop is. Uh, I don't know. It's good though. It's a step up from Cracker Barrel. It definitely is. It definitely is. Definitely a huge step from Cracker Barrel. Now, T Pain, speaking of the home cooking and stuff, your mom, Mama Pain. Right, right. Yeah, man. My mom is awesome. I heard an interview with her where she talked about how Bon Jovi was phoning her, was phoning her to get to you. Do people phone your mom to get to you, T Pain? Yeah. yeah, all the time. All the old people. All the old people call my mom to uh, get to me. <laughs> now, was that really Bon Jovi and T-Pain together? That would be amazing. That would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome. I don't know what happened to it. Kind of, I kind of didn't follow up on it. Your mom was also saying in the nappy heads that you did like 182 gigs one year? Um, it was actually like 280-something, so that was awesome. I mean, it all just was... It was so much, and she was there sometimes. She was there, and she wasn't there, and it just got weird. So she kind of stopped coming, and she didn't really see how many more we did. So it was uh, that's all she could handle. Yeah, 182. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty good that your mom came to 182 <laughs> gigs, T Pain. Uh, yeah, you know it's like 182 talent shows. So you know. T Pain, do you give Cher any props at all for the auto tune? I noticed a lot of bands. Yeah, they deserve some props. Don't you yeah, share, right? Yeah, yeah, I always do that. I always do that because that's actually. The first time I heard it, heard it was on one of those commercials where it's like various artists on one CD. So, you know, that helped out a lot, definitely. T-Pain cars and stuff. You have like 24 cars. You have a hearse. Yeah, I do have a hearse. Do you also it. had like a Cutlass way back when, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I actually went and bought that back and I'm fixing that up now. You used to sleep in it. Do you have any hints for sleeping in a Cutlass? What's, uh, how do you sleep in a Cutlass? Everything you need should be in the front seat so you have room in the back seat. 
for later on. You throw your clothes in the passenger side. Don't give anybody rides because all they're going to do is throw all the stuff in the back seat. And then when you're ready to go to sleep, you got to get all that stuff and put it back in the front seat. And don't do that. Just keep everything in the front seat. T-Pain, repping Tallahassee, what do you think about the dead Prez? I heard that you said you didn't think they repped Tallahassee enough, the rap crew, the dead Prez. Yeah, I never said they didn't rep Tallahassee enough. It's just that... I've been saying Tallahassee in a lot of my songs, and people have been like, yo, you're not repping Tallahassee. Well, I'm like, Dead Prez never said Tallahassee. No one said anything about them. Was, I was just getting treated unfair, I feel. T-Pain, speaking of Tallahassee and repping, how hard was it? The 2000 recount. Were you counted at all, T-Pain? That was crazy. Were you counted, T-Pain? Actually, it wasn't counted because I didn't even, I didn't even bother. Did any of your friends get counted? How crazy was that there? The 2002... It, it, it sucked a lot. It sucked a lot. We didn't we didn't really care much about it, and then we took our time to go do all that voting and stuff, and it was just... It just sucked. So we just stopped voting altogether. And winding up here, T-Pain, George Clinton, does he hang out in Tallahassee now? Um, sometimes. When it's like big special events, you'll see him come out, but George Clinton is kind of... He's a weird character, so... Don't see much. What makes something weird, T-Pain? I was wondering, what makes something weird? Ah, oh, man, just more than not normal, if that makes any sense. A mini Britney. That's weird. What is the mini Britney? <laughs> Lastly, T-Pain, what's going on, the mini Britney? I needed it, man, because, you know, Britney brought out the album called Circus, and it just kind of was weird that she brought her album out named Circus right after my three rings, and she stole my elephant. And so you're bringing out a mini Britney on tour with you here. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask Britney, did she want to just, you know, do the circus three rings thing or three ring circus on my tour? And, you know, so I couldn't afford that. So I got the half price. What do you think about Weird Al covering you? I'm in love with a skipper. Really? That's awesome. That's just awesome. I mean, that's great to have Weird Al do a song. Like, that makes me feel important enough to have... Weird Al do a song. And T-Pain, here you are in Canada. How's your data plan going? Because I understand... <laughs> That's funny, because I just got to cut back on today. Because wasn't there some problem you were in Toronto and this went out the roof? Yeah, it just went, it went crazy. I don't know what happened. It was just... My 3G was not, uh, was not activated internationally. It was like... Like six grand. And now you've got it under control, though. Like, can you get a deal or something with somebody? Like, how? Like, T-Pain get ripped off? This is not right. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Wow, look at that. Jesus. What do we see down there? What? Who is that, by the way? That's my contortionist. Is that part of the Little Britney Ensemble? Uh, that's Who is that, the, by the way? That's part of the whole three, three ring circus. It's just amazing. I haven't seen her do that at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got a whole circus thing, man. Everybody I can find from the circus, we got it. And, you know, just made it happen, man. Made it to a whole three ring thing. Is she coming to the Super Bowl party, you think? Uh, maybe. Are I mean, you hosting, like, a Super Bowl party, T-Pain? Yeah, I am, actually. So, yeah. And you got to bring Blowfly with you to the party. He's hanging out in Miami. The fly, a little bit of Florida, a gift from Blowfly to you, T-Pain. That is. I wish it was warmer. Well, thanks so much, T-Pain. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Three rings and stores right now. Nappy Boy Entertainment. I let your boy, man. That's it. Why should people care about T-Pain? Why should people care? Um, because if they care about anybody else, they'll just be caring about me anyways. Well, thanks so much, T-Pain. <laughs> Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102.
Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And now joining us from Florida, are you there, caller? I am. And who are you? <laughs> this is Uncle Tom of the Weird World of Blowfly. From Florida. That's right. Tom, from the, Miami. The drummer of Blowfly's band, Tom, Uncle Tom. And Tom, thank you for joining us today, me, Nardwater Human Serviette, us, the listeners on the Nardwater Human Serviette radio show, to help interpret that interview. Did you hear that interview with T-Pain? Well, you know, that interview kind of sounded like he was talking through a vocoder and set it to 25. Ba-boom! I guess right off the bat I want to say thank you, Tom, for joining me, because you are an expert on all things Florida, aren't you? I'm pretty good at it, Nardwar. And you've always provided blowfly to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show on a platter. Thanks so much. And hopefully coming up for Blowfly's 70th birthday, Blowfly might be joining the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show for a special appearance on the 13th? Absolutely. His, of course, Mr. Blowfly's actual 70th birthday is on Valentine's Day, which could only be appropriate for the man who's the dirtiest sex rapper in the history of the game and the first one to boot. So T-Pain gave me 7 minutes and 42 seconds, and you've given me, Tom, today. Thank you so much. And also, Blowfly, many, many times. So thank you so much for joining me. That was a quick interview with T-Pain. Now, first off, for people who don't know, who is Blowfly? You kind of mentioned who Blowfly was. For the people that don't know, who is Blowfly? Blowfly is the master of class, and he is here to sock some soul to your ass. Some 50 years ago, Mr. Blowfly came down to Florida, and he had he invented what is called the Miami Soul Sound, which is um, a combination of your your Southern soul and uh, Caribbean rhythms. And it, he uh, he had he wrote massive hits for Casey and the Sunshine Band and Betty Wright, and basically was the Holland Dozier Holland of Miami. And then on the side, he puts on a mask and a cape, and sitting on the dock on the bay becomes shitting on the dock on the bay, and he invented rap music. In 1965, he recorded 1965, a rap song. He put out a rap, he self-pressed Rap Dirty, and it has been re-recorded and re-released many, many times, the latest on our brand new Live at the Platypussery CD on Steel Cage Records. And yeah, there's about six versions of that. There's many other classic blowfly raps, such as What Your Pussy Is Made For, Porno Freak, The Incredible Fuck, and so many, many more, Nardwar. And you are Tom from Blowfly. It's weird saying, and you are Tom from Blowfly. I just, it's just like, what do you call yourself, Tom? Like, Uncle Tom from what? I'm Uncle Tom. That happened at South by Southwest in 2005. Um, it was our first real big uh, comeback show. There was, we were in front of about 1,000 people. We were playing with Harmar Superstar and the Ravenettes. And I had told a friend of mine who lived in Austin who was loaning me his drum set so I didn't have to bring mine with me on the plane, which would be a real hassle in the luggage department, Mr. Nardwar. And uh, I forgot I had told him that he could sit in with us, which put me out front, and it made me a white rapper without a gimmick. And I just couldn't do that to the world. So we had this Uncle Sam hat. And I was looking at it, and I just said, screw it, I'm Uncle Tom. And Bluefly looked at me and said, you're Uncle Tom. And so I became Uncle Tom, and now I have a, a whole spangled outfit, just like Blowfly, sans the cape. I wear that Uncle Sam, and I rock the Uncle Tom. And that was quite a show, too. I remember being down there for that South by Southwest, or one of them, and you got on the front page of, like, the Austin Chronicle or something like that. Yes, we were. They knew, they knew what we were talking about. Because, you know, every band in the world plays South by Southwest, but there's only one blowfly. 
Uncle Tom, what can you tell me about T-Pain and Blowfly? I was trying to explain to T-Pain about the Ozone Magazine Awards. What happened that night? Because you said it was a crazy night. T-Pain said, ah, oh, it happened long ago, long, long ago. But you say it wasn't no, that no, long no. ago. He, he, he must have been, uh, I don't know what he was doing, but that show was about as big of, it was, it was the biggest abortion since the first legal one after Roe v. Wade. Baboom, actually, who should we tell the people is T-Pain? Who is T-Pain? He's a rapper, right? T-Pain is a cat from Tallahassee, Florida, who, uh, dis- who, who first was in the rap game, and then he discovered the vocoder. And uh, now he does a lot. He does that like half chant rap, and and half uh, he can't sing. But through the through that auto tune function, um, you know he it can it can just carry enough of a tune where it works for um, American R and B radio. And you saw him perform, and it wasn't that long ago at the no, Ozone Magazine. A year Mag- and a half ago. A year and a half ago at the Ozone Magazine Awards. What happened at night? The power went out. Well, what at happened first, at the first? Okay, so the first number. It was it was it was recorded for for oh, MTV Jam. Oh, and they should somehow I, made a television show out of this. Sorry to interrupt, Tom. I was going to say you were there with Blowfly. That's yeah, the connection. Yeah, I was there with Blowfly. We were Devin the Dude's posse that night. Devin the Dude was up for an award, and he asked us to be his posse. So uh, we get in there, and the first number was a big was was had just about every rapper, including T Pain, on the stage. Rick Ross. DJ Khaled, just about every Dirty South chant rapper you can imagine, and they all got on the stage to do a medley of everyone's hits, and they pulled the power out about 30 seconds into it. So it was it was kind of amazing, and uh, and then they they stopped the show for 15 minutes, and then the originally Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother, and the you know of course from Charlie Murphy's Hollywood Stories was supposed to be the MC. They didn't pay him, so uh, we got this little this little guy from Jacksonville, Florida, Lil Duval to do it, and it got to the point where. You know, you just imagine the Oscars. Now imagine everything going wrong with the Oscars. The teleprompter not working, the power going out, the wrong performers coming out, the wrong MCs, the wrong introducers. It just got happening to the point where the MC would just come out and yell, Who next? And then he called out the wrong name. And T-Pain came out, and, they, and instead of having, say, a backing track or a DJ, which is what you would expect from a rap performance, they just put in the CD, including the vocals. So T-Pain's yelling over his own vocals. Now, then the crowd demanded more. And, of course, he was only supposed to do one song, which you would expect in a television format. So he did six songs. Amazing. Over top of his own CD. Over the top of his own set, he was walking around with a, a bottle of um, of Patron tequila that he was holding in one hand and the microphone in the other. And yeah, w- w- watching this was was painful enough to for me to want to levitate that Patron tequila to to where I was sitting. It was very Spinal Tapish, you were saying. It was. It was so spinal tapish. I thought Stonehenge was going to come right through the right through the roof of the James L. Knight Center in Miami, where this took place. But I guess T. Pain has kind of erased that memory from his memory, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, you know, you have that much success and that much uh, tequila, you're not going to remember much. And he was with a whole bunch of people. You were with Devin the Dude and with Blowfly. And actually, in that interview, I gave T. Pain an actual Blowfly record. Like, I presented him a Blowfly record. Which record did I give him? Was the Blowfly on tour? What can you tell people about that particular record that I gave T. Pain as a gift from Blowfly? Well, there's two very important things about that record. 
One is is that it's called Blowfly on Tour, yet in fact it's not a live album. In fact, that the first live album ever is the brand new one, Blowfly Live at the Platypusery. Another very important thing about Blowfly on Tour is that it has a it has an alternate version of, of Shake Your Ass that runs through the whole thing, and it has a funky little piano lick that Atmosphere sampled on his first album. And then, of course, uh, the other important fact is it has, like all great Blowfly albums, a naked black woman on the front of it. Have any of the naked women that have been on the cover of Blowfly Records surfaced over the years at reunion Blowfly gigs? No, they've they've basically been shamed. Because, um, of course, Blowfly denies, but I have many, many sources that tell me how those girls were selected, which is... Um, I, I don't know if you know the Blowfly Butterfly album, but Butterfly was, he was a was, DJ, uh, was guy he? Who this guy Butterball, who was also a, a DJ um, in in the '60s in Miami, and he was the head of promotion for TK Records, which put out the Blowfly albums on Weird World and the ones on TK. Now they would go into the hood and find uh, you know skeezers, hoes, strumpets, girls who would do anything to be on an album cover. So they would go into the office of Henry Stone. And if you notice on the back of the Blowfly disco cover or, or uh, Blowfly's disco party, um, you'll notice a, a, a rug. You'll notice there's a bunch of pictures with, with wood-paneled walls and a really nasty shag carpet. And basically Blowfly and, and Butterfly would, and would go into the office with the girls. They'd orgy. And all those shots were taken post-coital. And that's who ended up on the cover of the Blowfly on tour record presented to T-Pain. And we're speaking here live to Tom from Blowfly's band, Uncle Tom, live from Florida, who's helping me dissect an interview with rapper T-Pain, who is from Florida as well. He's from Tallahassee, Florida. Now, I mentioned to T-Pain Cracker Barrel, which is Blowfly's favorite chain. What can you tell the people about Cracker Barrel and T-Pain not liking Cracker Barrel? Well, I think T-Pain just doesn't like crackers, so he wouldn't like me very much. Ba-boom. Because I am, of course, Blowfly's head cracker, which is I am, I'm in charge and I'm a cracker, and if someone messes with Blowfly, I will crack their head. So Cracker Barrel, if you, if you, if you folks in the, in the great Northwest, if you can just imagine, say, an IHOP, but instead of um, having really terrible pancakes, it would have really good ones. And uh, Blowfly loves the Mama's Pancake Breakfast, and he's very, very specific about the foods he'll eat for breakfast. He only wants one meal. He wants pancakes, hash browns. He wants patty sausage. It must be patty sausage in our world. He cannot have link sausage because Blowfly associates link sausages with dicks. So he cannot eat dicks. And so, yeah, so he needs to have that. And Cracker Barrel also has a, you know, a very wonderful faux southern theme. There's a bunch of rocking chairs in the front of it. And they play Hank Williams music in the, in the, gift, in the very tacky gift store uh, that you walk through it. But that very tacky gift store is wonderful when you're on the road and you need to get a shirt for your baby daughter that says Grandma Magnet or something. Where do Cracker Barrels disappear? Where can't you go to a Cracker Barrel? Where are there no Cracker Barrels? Cracker Barrels um, were originated in uh, Tennessee, and they're not really north of Tennessee. You can pretty much find Cracker Barrels on the highways and byways of America 
probably going – actually, I take that back. I've seen one as far north as Virginia. So from Virginia to Miami on the east coast – and then, but of course, it doesn't really, you know, Miami's not really part of the South. Miami is this weird tropical thing. So, like, right, just, just north of Miami would be the last Cracker Barrel. And then west, I would say you can find a Cracker Barrel all the way to Texas. Uncle Tom, you're speaking to us live from Miami, aren't you? That's where you yes, live. I Mi am. Miami, Florida. Now, T-Pain is from Tallahassee. And George Clinton, who T-Pain called weird, is also from Tallahassee? Well, he's not from Tallahassee, but he does live there. He's, he's actually from, well, there's two places. He's from uh, the Carolinas, and then, of course, Plainfield, New Jersey is where he had, where Clinton had the barbershop, and, of course, then he moved to Detroit, and that's where he met the Stooges and found, um, you know, amplifiers and the MC5 and all that. But, yes, George Clinton does live in Tallahassee, um, and, in fact, he lives just down the road from um, the main club in Tallahassee, which has many names. One of them is the Cow House. And the first time I was ever in the cow house, um, apparently George had been driving around and got uh, got busted for a possession of, um, well, you know, that thing he likes to smoke. And T Payne called George Clinton weird. Well, is that you a, know, is that a compliment? You know, if you called Blowfly weird, it would be a compliment. And considering that, that George is an Afronaut, I suppose it could be a compliment. But I, I'm not sure T-Pain meant it as a compliment. I think T-Pain just doesn't understand the funk that makes him money. What other stuff are, is from Tallahassee? There was the Dead Prez from Tallahassee. What do you know about the Dead Prez? The Dead, dead Prez are from Tallahassee? Yes, they are. The wow. Well, I, I actually saw Dead Prez. Um, play um, in Miami, and uh, there was a big uh, world trade thing here, just like the one in Seattle where it had the, the girl with her eyes shot out and the, and the buildings blown out, you may recall. We had one of those down here, and, uh, and Dead Prez uh, played a free show, and it was kind of amazing because they had, the, the city of Miami had basically illegally declared martial law. And everyone was terrified to come downtown, but there was a free concert starring Dead Prez. So there was about a thousand cops in riot gear outside the the stadium, and there was about 800 people watching Dead Prez as they encouraged people to yell, um, "Fuck the police!" During martial law. Yes. The 2000 recount. Where were you for the 2000 recount? I was here in Miami getting my vote stolen. And how was your vote stolen? I'm not sure if T-Pain actually did vote. No, he, did... he basically said, I can interpret that for you, he did not vote. But, but his friends voted? Um, I don't think I don't think anyone T Pain knows votes. I mean, maybe maybe his mom. I I don't know. It just you know he says he didn't want to bother with it. And we've got a black president now, so someone he knows must have voted for Obama. But I don't see too many people voting for Gore that T Pain knows. How were you tied up in the 2000 recount? Was your vote counted, Uncle Tom? And again, no, we're... my vote was absolutely not counted. Uh, there, and basically, all democracy ended in 2000 in Miami, Florida. And the way that happened was we had a recount being done 
in the offices, and of course Miami is is you know the bigger. Basically, Florida is split up into the areas that are populated and the rural areas. And uh, if you uh, you know now we're officially a blue state, but basically only the cities where more than a hundred thousand people live, or the, or the major metropolitan area, are the ones that you know vote Democratic. But of course, that's where most of the people live in Florida. Most of the people who live in Florida live in the three southern counties of of, of Palm Beach, Miami Dade, and Broward. Now in Miami. Dade County, where I live, there was um, they had what they called the white collar riot. So while they were doing the recount, a bunch of hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollar a year Cuban Republican lawyers left their very well heeled offices on Brickell Avenue and went downtown to where they were doing the the committee, and they started throwing stuff around. They they started pushing over voting machines. They started throwing things in the air, and they had a riot until the cops came, and they succeeded in stopping the the recount. And then right after that was when the first hold on the counting began. But until that point, the votes were still being counted. So it is quite possible that my vote was among those being counted, and that my vote, had it not been stopped, had put, could have put Al Gore in the White House, and we could have avoided this whole horrible eight years of George Bush. However, I think they did do a recount, didn't they? And it did show that your vote did count. Didn't they eventually do a recount? Didn't somebody actually do a recount? It didn't actually count, but... Your vote did count. Well, well, it didn't count. I mean, someone did do a recount and discovered that Gore won. Of course, no one said this publicly in the states. But, but yeah, that was probably the most unreported story of of the of the last twenty years. Is that yes, they did do the recount, and despite all these crazy hanging chads and overvotes and undervotes and all this madness that that surfaced, uh, yeah, Gore still won, and he still should have been president. And you were Uncle Tom from Blowfly's band, the drummer of Blowfly's band, speaking to me, Nardwater Human Serviette, live from Miami, Florida, helping to go through an interview that I did with rapper T-Pain from Tallahassee, Florida. Now, T-Pain is hosting a Super Bowl party. How important is that? Have you been to Super Bowl parties? I have definitely been to Super Bowl parties. They usually involve lots of chicken wings. Of course, this year, um, Stephen Colbert has pointed out that there is a chicken wing shortage in the country which could be disastrous but uh, hopefully the con- hopefully you know our co- the country to the south will will pull through people might think of the name blowfly and think of a male rapper however when i think of blowfly i kind of think of sports how does blowfly and his family connect to sports what connections are there between blowfly and the sporting world well there is one large connection which is that blowfly's eldest daughter tracy reed uh was the wnba rookie of the year for the charlotte sting in i believe uh 99 how about sports players using Blowfly to warm up, to pump themselves up before going out on the court? Because Blowfly was actually going to go on the court himself and sing the national anthem, wasn't he, at one time? Actually, he did that at a, at a, car, at a St. Louis Cardinals game. But, of course, it turned into take me to the balls game. So he was actually allowed to go out and do it then because they didn't know that he was Blowfly. Yeah, well, I mean, he got away with it that time, and then there was another time they were they were thinking of of having him sing it for the Heat, but uh, that was squashed when when they realized Clarence Reed and Blowfly were indeed the same person.
Now, Clarence Reed, Blowfly, the way that they kind of connect is very interesting. Clarence Reed, when did he first tour, and when did Blowfly first tour? Well, Clarence Reed's first uh, single came out in 1964 as Clarence Reed and the Delmiras. And, but I don't think he really toured until the late 60s when Nobody But You, Babe, uh, became a hit. Which we began the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show with, just to let you know. I'm pardon what? We began the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show with Nobody But You, Babe. That was, ah, the, first, that was okay. the first tune I played today. Excellent. So that song broke big nationwide, and then he began touring with James Brown, and he did the Apollo, he did American Bandstand, you name it, he did it. He got to England and that whole thing, but he really didn't do much touring after that because he was such a successful songwriter, and that made him more money than being a singer. So, you know, Blowfly didn't really tour that much until I hooked up with him in 2003. Um, he would do, he, he would do... They would do runs with Fishbone um, every once in a while. And then there was the Watch It Sucka review that he went on in the early 80s with, with, Rudy, with the late, great Rudy Ray Moore, who was a dear friend of ours, and uh, Luanda Page, uh, who, of course, was Aunt Esther on Sanford and Son, and, and Wild Man Steve, Blowfly being the sole one of them who is now living. So, yeah, it basically, so if you've seen Blowfly um, live, chances are it's my fault. And you were Tom, Uncle Tom from Blowfly's band, speaking to us, the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show listeners and Nardwarta Human Serviette, live from Miami, all connecting to rapper T-Pain. T-Pain is famous, but so is Otis Wedding. Otis Wedding, that's how I called his name to Weird Al. I called Otis Wedding. Weird Al loved it when I said Otis Wedding. Well, how does it all connect? And I love the word connection because everything does connect. Otis Redding and also Sammy Davis. Didn't Blowfly perform for Otis Redding and Sammy Davis, like, backstage? Was this when, like, Blowfly, a.k.a. Clarence Reed, would kick out his nasty numbers? What was the genesis of that? I thought that that happened a lot backstage. Yes, that, that would happen backstage. There was a club in Overtown in the 60s called The Night Beat. And uh, when Otis would come down and play, he would have Clarence summoned to uh, to sing shit to sing shitting on the dock in the bay for him in, in the backstage, and um, and of course you know two two to two of the fart song and all that stuff because he loved it and of course and, and back then you know it was quasi legal to even do that kind of stuff stuff on stage so you know this was kind of a an in thing among the musicians you know they and I'm told that Sammy Davis Jr. sometimes would have these performances under protest you know and Blowfly would just you know just kind of torture him just to, for the sake of torture. Now, was he Blowfly at that point, or was he Clarence Reed at that point? I.e., well, in well, a six- professionally, he was Clarence Reed at that point. I mean, as Blow... Yes, but, Blow, but basically, I think Blowfly is older than Clarence Reed, to tell you the truth. I think Clarence Reed, as a, as a soul singer, you know, matured about, you know, the 60s. I think Blowfly... Um, the way it's been told to me, was basically a character that, that got started when he was about seven. Uncle Tom, I sent you a link for the Funkai Party video with Isaac Hayes. What can you tell the people about that? This is a video that has Isaac Hayes, Huggy Bear, Jim Kelly, Rudy Ray Moore, and Flea, and Fishbone all together. The Funkai Party video. How did Blowfly meet Isaac Hayes? Was that all through the 60s songwriting? What's that well, video all about? There's, there's two things there. Um... Blowfly um, 
was the first person to record Sam and Dave. He wrote their first songs. And then Isaac Hayes pretty much stole them and brought them to Memphis and uh, and recorded them. So basically, and then um, uh, Hold On, I'm Coming was uh, was basically kind of taken off an old Clarence Reed tune. So in, in exchange, um, because they were friends, uh, Isaac suggested to... Um, to Blowfly, that why doesn't he cut up um, the, the the Soul Man, and that's and Blowfly did that. He cut it up, and that became Clean Up Woman. Um, and it's very similar. If you notice that Soul Man is dun 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 dun, and and uh, Clean Up Woman is bump 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 bump. So you're saying that Blowfly is partly behind Soul Man then? No, I'm saying he's behind Hold On, It's Running, and then that Isaac Hayes is partly behind um, Clean Up Woman. Done by Betty Wright, and that was a big yeah. hit that got Blowfly a lot of money and stuff. Exactly. The Funke Party, though, video, what was that TV show? What was that video all about? That was well, years later. Well, basically that video was, that was around the era of an album called The Twisted World of Blowfly, which Flea and the Chili Peppers are on. And there was a gentleman in, in Los Angeles who began, who brought Blowfly over starting in the mid to late 80s to do these one, to do like little one-off shows at a club called Lingerie and, uh, and Flea and, and Fishbone would back him up. So Funky Party being a Clarence Reed hit actually, um, from about 1970, got got re-recorded. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, they didn't even re-record it on that version. They used the original version, I think. Yes, it sounds like the original. Yeah, you know what? It's the original version. That, that's right. But they, but that album got stuck on uh, on the twisted. That song got put on the twisted world of Blowfly, and so they basically got all of all of Clarence and Blowfly's friends from the Chitlin Circuit days. All the you know the big Blowfly fans, and they got and they all got them there. And um, Antonio Fargas, who's Huggy Bear, Rudy, of course, goes back with Clarence a long, long way. And basically, you know, they just shot the video on the cheap, and uh, they got everyone to uh, hang out. Have any of the old fans been coming out at all? Yes, you know, it depends. It depends on when and where we're there. Um, when we first started going out, we would get. Unbelievable, like, you know, people not realizing Blowfly is still alive. And, like, we found this guy in Phoenix who had been at the first Blowfly show ever in 1968 at the 20 Grand in Detroit. And we would, you know, we get a lot of people who bring the old albums out. But, but generally speaking, most of our audience is probably 25 to 35. Uncle Tom, ramping it up to nowadays, Blowfly, Germany. I guess Blowfly has some German blood in him that he always says he has. What was the deal on Germany? Young kids became totally infected with the Blowfly blood, didn't they? Yes, they did. It was it was very it was it was it was it was you know we are the weird world of Blowfly, of course, uh, Nardwar, and um, this was weirder than most. We we opened up for a band. We had we had been to Germany before. And we played Berlin, and uh, the biggest rock stars over there are called the Arza, or the Doctors. And um, 
they came to they came to our show and they ran into our road manager, who uh, and he's just like, "What? You road manager Blowfly? We're planning big things next year. We must have him open up." And see, the problem with that in our war is if you say things like that to anyone I know, I will find you. And I tracked down uh, their drummer, Bela B, through one of his ex-girlfriends, who was friends with my friend who ran a, a cross-golf league, which is when you play golf in, in the middle of the city uh, with no course. And uh, we wound up playing seven shows with the Arts uh, in front of in arenas filled mostly with uh, 15 to 18-year-old children. And that was completely bizarre and had extremely mixed results. We, we absolutely infected uh, Augsburg, which is a city outside of uh, Munich, uh, with the blowfly. And then in, uh, in Dresden, Germany, which of course is, uh, you know, where, uh, where, where Slaughterhouse, where, uh, where Slaughterhouse Five went down. And uh, it's like the big neo-Nazi capital of, of Germany these days. They weren't too into the blowfly. They were they were they were throwing bottles at us and stuff. So the so Diarza made them apologize to us all all thirteen thousand of them. What was the reaction to? Did the bottles start right off the bat? What were they so offended by? Well. I mean, first they were, of course, upset that we weren't Diarza, and then they were confused that you know why why are black people on stage? And uh, you know, and we had we had more than one black black person on stage on this tour. We had Mr. Locke, who you may recall from our first uh, foray into Vancouver with us, and um, you know, we basically got you get with, with these kids, you you basically get five minutes usually of, uh, of of free will, and then they're you know it's like a Rolling Stones crowd when Prince opened up. Or Iggy Pop opened up, you know they 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 want to hear uh, the band they're there to see. But this I think this 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 crowd and you know in general just very young kids. And you know if you don't have pubic hair, you're not going to understand sex rap. That's actually what I was just thinking. I can't believe what I just said. Why would somebody be offended by Blowfly? <laughs> I just said, well, you know, it's very rare that people actually run out of our shows and get offended. That's really only happened in Boston, and in um, and it happened once in Newcastle, uh, Australia. And the the girl in Newcastle who ran out came eventually came back. She was a heavier lady, and we were we she she stomped out during should I fuck this big fat hoe? So of course we had to play too fat to fuck as well. And, and she and she came back and told us, you know, I was deeply offended, but I dig what you guys do. And I will say, those are the opinions of Uncle Tom speaking <laughs> live from Miami, Florida, and only the opinions of Uncle Tom and not associated with CITR Radio or the employees of this university, the University of British Columbia. Please tune out if you're easily offended. Blowfly does warn the audience, though, doesn't he, before the offensiveness no, starts? No, we don't warn anybody. You know, we figure, you know, there, there's lots of Red Fox would warn people. I thought Blowfly does say, get out right now, leave right now, and then people don't leave, and then he gets right into them uh no <laughs> you know it's happened i've seen him say that though i've seen him say that i've seen him do that part where he says it's either for like the incredible funk or one of those songs where like he says okay you have two minutes to leave okay you didn't oh, leave no, that, that's when we play burning pussy that that's that's that song what what's the warning for that? Uh, well, that that warning's like five minutes long. <laughs> but uh, you know, essentially, the warning is that um, um, if uh, if if um, if you're a, a freak, um, you're you're basically your pussy's gonna you're going to pussy hell, and you're you're gonna be incinerated by your genitalia. 
and then he gives a warning, and then people leave. Yeah, if they want him. Well, no, no one leaves. No one leaves. Uncle Tom, there's a documentary coming out done by the same guy that did the Pixies documentary on Clarence Reed on Blowfly. What progress has been made on this documentary, and who has been interviewed, and what have they said about Blowfly? Well, I mean, the director, Jonathan Fermansky, who, as you said, uh, did the Pixies documentary, is still making it. So I can't tell you, um, I haven't actually seen the footage, but I can tell you that Chuck D has been interviewed. Ice-T has been interviewed. Uh, Norwood from Fishbone was interviewed when he did that, that tour with us last year. Um, they, he's also interviewed... Um, KC oh, from the KC and the Sunshine Band? Yes, I, I believe he has interviewed KC. He interviewed Betty Wright. Um, I think that's boy. I'm drawing. Oh yeah, he, um, I think he's going. He's trying to interview Snoop Dogg. But as you know, Nardwar, sometimes interviewing Snoop Dogg's not so easy. We have tried to hook Snoop Dogg and Blowfly up a couple times. The last time it did work via video message. Thank you so much, Uncle Tom. And because of that video message, Snoop invited me to his house. I haven't been able to work that out yet. But Blowfly, having Blowfly. On my side, Snoop was really impressed by that. You know what? I've I've got an idea for you, for for you, Nardwar. I think we should issue a challenge to Blowfly. Since Blowfly is from Long Beach, there's a very good chance that we are going to play. We've never done this before. We're going to play a double bill with a movie. We're going to open up for a screening of Black Devil Doll, the '70s black exploitation classics. And that is uh, Friday, May 1st. So, Snoop Dogg, if you can hear this, you always say how down you are with the blowfly, and yet your, your Korean uh, number one guy there won't, let, won't, won't hook it up, man. So we're going to be in Long Beach, where you are from, Friday, Mar- Friday May 1st. Let's be real. Let's see some Snoop Dogg get down with a blowfly. Uncle Tom, winding up here, thank you again for talking all things blowfly, all things T-Pain, and all things Florida-ish. Stone, Henry Stone was the record label. He released a lot of Clarence Reed stuff. Does Blowfly get any royalties from any of that sort of stuff? What does he get royalties from? You mentioned again all these rappers like Ice-T, Snoop Dogg. Who actually pays... Blowfly. No. I mean, what, unfortunately, uh, it was kind of he was getting royalties for a while, but he tragically kind of got swindled out of most of his royalties a few years ago, uh, right when I was starting to work with him. But I, I just got in there a little bit too late to stop that. The only and and then there's some people who just st- straight out stole it, like uh, DJ Quick stole. Um, Absolutely stole the incredible fuck for uh, for sweet black pussy. I mean, there's and the funny thing is he paid royalties. <laughs> he paid royalties on the other samples of that song, but that was back that was back before the the parody law changed. So a lot of Blowfly stuff wasn't registered um, because, of course, you know, to the law prior to the Two Live Crew case, you know, they were all they were all um, they were all covers and not new songs. So but that's why those songs were just kind of, you know, in a in a gray area legally and they weren't properly registered with ASCAP or whatever.
but how, BMI. How about right now, though? Is there any money going to some, like, offshore bank account or something that Blowfly has if, no if access was, to? You know, from, your, from, from, from God's lips to your ears, uh, Nardwar, but I'm afraid not. I think the only way we're, you know, if, if people sample from the actual Blowfly catalog, uh, yes, Blowfly can make royalties. But if they're sampling from stuff, quote-unquote, Clarence Reed did, he's not going to see a dime of that unless it's uh, airplay money. But didn't Wu-Tang Clan or Ice Cube pay some money to Blowfly? Yes, absolutely. And that was back when he was still getting his royalties. Now, what happened? Why didn't he get his royalties anymore? Um, essentially, he had a tax problem, and uh, the guy who... Uh, who basically who, who helped out Michael Jackson? He he has a, it's it's just a long legal thing, and I don't want to get too depressed and have to jump off a bridge here, Nardwar. But basically, taxes were due, and he made an unwise business decision. I think that's the best way I can say it. Was Weird World really Blowfly's own label? Um, it was his own label. Um, basically, it was just a dodge so Henry Stone wouldn't get arrested for selling obscene material. So Blowfly didn't actually have anything into day-to-day -day operations? And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he did in the fact that he was the only artist, <laughs> you know. But Blow, no, Blowfly is not a, not a businessman. He is a, he is a, he is a performer of the highest order and perhaps the most uh, um, prolific songwriter of the 20th century. But no, I mean, yes, it was his label. It was made for him. But, you know, I mean, do you really, you know, Mick Jagger doesn't really run, you know, Rolling Stones records. Uncle Tom, thanks so much for phoning into the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show doing the Florida T-Pain blowfly thing on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. What do you guys have coming up? You have a single coming up with Otto. Are you still on Alternative Tentacles Records? You got the gig on May 1st. What's coming up in the weird world of blowfly? Well, the weird world of blowfly, of course, we're celebrating blowfly's 70th birthday party. So we, we're, we're starting to, to do little fly-ins around the country. We got one. We got a show here in Miami, and then we're going to do Cleveland, and then we're going to go to Texas and play a few shows, and then we're hopefully going to California. So we're just we're making a, a little, a, you know, we're doing little inroads to, to warm up the year, and now we're, and we're halfway. It's not so much a single, Nardwar, as we're doing a whole album with Otto von Schirach. Um, the album is tentatively called Invasion of the Booty Snatchers, but it may change, and uh, we're about halfway through that. We debuted uh, the song that you're going that you have um, on hold, hopefully, at a, at the at a festival in Germany uh, last year, and that went over really well. So you know, we're trying to make this whole basically. Auto is a, a caped mask freak from Miami. Blowfly is a caped mask freak from Miami, and uh, we're trying to make a whole new level of Miami weirdness. And coming up, we will have those tracks that you mentioned, but right now we're going to end the Nardware to Human Serviette radio show on the first black president, which actually did occur. What can you tell the people about that, Uncle Tom? Drummer for Blowfly. And I will say again, if you're easily offended, please tune out now, because this next song contains what, Uncle Tom? It contains vast amounts of profanity. And not only that, it, it precludes the current Obama administration by 20 years. In 1988, this was released, uh, which, ba and, which basically has President Blowfly and his secretary, Miss Clit, um, discussing many important orders of the day uh, as to how the first black president, Blowfly, would, would be getting things down. How long have you been performing this song? 
Uh, Blowfly has been doing this song for 20 years. We, um, in, in the five years that I've been associated with, just started doing this song this year for obvious reasons. Um, it's just difficult to do the song without a misclit. So um, I've, I've managed to procure a few. And uh, one of our one of our two tours of, of Europe last last summer, we did have a a dedicated Miss Clit. Unfortunately, she turned out to be completely insane. I think I think Blowfly just drove her crazy. But we do have um, we do have one down here, and we we like to do the song as often as we can. And you should send a copy to the White House because I read about Obama's LP collection that's at the White House. You should send a copy to him. I think that would be a good idea. Unfortunately, um, the guy who was our roadie on the last uh, Blowfly West Coast tour is a member of the Secret Service, so I might not get sent to a, you know, Guantanamo. Uncle Tom, also after that we will have Chicken Hawk. What can you tell the people about Chicken Hawk? That's an interesting tune. Chicken Hawk is a, is, is a Clarence Reed soul classic that, we, that was performed uh, when Clarence Reed played a few shows the last couple of years. Um, essentially, it is, it, is, it is from the point of view of the, of the cartoon Chicken Hawk from the Warner Brothers uh, cartoons, um, who, you know, he had to get the chickens. And, uh, yeah, but of course, Clarence's Chicken Hawk is probably not as small as the Chicken Hawk in the Foghorn Leghorn cartoons. It is interesting how a little blowfly voice pops up during that song. Yes. Like There's the, no doubt. It, it does sound like uh, Mr. Blowfly did give himself a, a, f- a few shots to the nards. But, you know, Nardwar, I would like to address your audience briefly. Go ahead, Uncle Tom. Okay, people of Vancouver, I have a question for you, which is every time Blowfly has played Vancouver, which is four times now since 2005, okay, it seems to get our real crazy, nutty, wacky, freak fans we have to play the worst neighborhood in your city. Now, normally, when we play a really bad neighborhood, that will, in the States, that will mean less people. But there, if, and normally when you play a worst day of the week, say a Monday or Tuesday, that would mean less people. But the first two times we came to Vancouver, we had, especially the second time, where we absolutely overpacked the lamplighter, it was a Monday night, and you guys were completely out of your minds. Now we come back, and we play with Bob Log, and the show was cool, but we almost played to almost nothing but Bob Log fans. And then the last time we came back, I don't know what happened to you people. We were in the, one of the nicest neighborhoods I've ever been in, wonderful sushi restaurants down the street, Norwood from Fishbone playing bass, and we basically played the gutter punks who were there to see Annie scene. So I ask you, Vancouver, must we play Gastown? Must we play next to junkies and people trying to sell me forehead VCRs for $20? Is that the only way you'll come see Blowfly and Uncle Tom? Well, actually, you're pretty lucky, Uncle Tom, because you've actually done four gigs. Some bands that are from Vancouver have a hard time doing four gigs ever because there's nowhere to play. So you've actually done very well in the scheme of things. In fact, people listening are probably jealous, going, oh, my God, Uncle Tom and Blowfly got to play to Lamplighter. They got to play to Biltmore. They got to play the Richards on... Uh, I think you've just got people really excited there, Uncle Tom. So thank you. And lastly here, Uncle Tom, the Blowfly song, If It Was Good Enough for Daddy... It was good enough for me. What's that all about? That's not actually Blowfly. That's Clarence Reed, right? That is Clarence Reed, although it definitely has a Blowfly sentiment to it, which is essentially uh, the protagonist, uh, Clarence, in the in the story, um, 
basically stalks his dad and uh, finds out that his dad has a piece on the side, waits for his dad to leave, and then and then does his dad's mistress. Because if it was good enough for daddy, it was good enough for me. Well, thank you so much again, Tom from Blowflies Band for phoning into the Nardwarder Human Serviette Radio Show and helping me understand Florida and T-Pain a bit more. You're most welcome, Nardwar, anytime. You are definitely our favorite Canadian. Well, thanks so much, Tom. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Why should people care about Blowfly? People should care about Blowfly because even at the age of 70 years old, the man is the most energetic, crazy performer alive today. He is a living music legend. He is history on the stage before you as you see it. And even though he's older, he is still bolder than anything that passes for entertainment in the 21st century. If you don't care about Blowfly, you should just cut off your testicles or your ovaries right now. Well, thanks so much, Tom. Tune out if you're offended. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 loot do Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the first Nick, I, I mean the first black president of the United States of America, President Blowfly. Thank you. Thank you very much. And like I promised y'all when I was running, I'm going to make sure there are chillings in every pot, ham hocks in every table, birth control pills in every purse, and we're going to have an orgy every motherfucking weekend. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. President, sir. Good morning, bitch. I'm at Miss Click. This shit gonna be easy. President don't do nothing but sit on his ass all day and give all this any motherfucking way. Guess I get my head together here. Where's my fucking cocaine? Bet that bitch done moved it again. Miss Click! Mr. President, sir? Would you get your ass in here, please? Right away, sir. What did you do in my shit? Are you constipated, sir? Bitch, you know what I'm talking about. My motherfucking raw dog. Oh, I took your dog to the vet, sir. Oh, I'm talking about coke, cocaine. You know that white powder shit that I put on your pussy when I'm getting ready to eat it? Oh, that, sir. It's right in front of you, sir. Thank you. That'll be all. Stupid bitch. If a pussy wasn't so good, I'd fire her. Let's uh, get over here and get my head together. <sighs> Damn, that's some good shit. Mr. President, sir? <laughs> shit. What the fuck you want now? Mr. Jackson is here to see you. Mr. Jackson? Reggie Jackson, Andrew Jackson, or Michael Jackson? What? Which one? Mr. Superfly Jackson of the United Pimps Association. Oh, shit. What the fuck he wants? He wants the money you promised him for endorsing you. I told that dumb motherfucker those assholes at Congress got all the funds frozen. What the fuck he want for my life? Well... He stated that payment in Coke would be sufficient, sir. God, Malaya's Coke. I'll take it. Give it to the motherfucker and get rid of it. That's the end of that shit. I thought this shit was going to be easy. I got it. I got some weed here somewhere. Here it is. Throw me a couple of joints. Mm. <coughs> Mr. President, sir? Oh, shit. What you want now, Miss Click? Mr. Paul is here to see you, sir. Mr. Paul? Paul Newman, Paul Revere, or Paul Anchor? Pope John Paul, sir. John Paul? What do you want? The weed you are currently smoking, sir. Oh, shit. 
I can see right now. I'm, I'm not gonna like this motherfucking shit at all. Huh? Give it to the motherfucker. Can't sniff no coke. Can't smoke no dope. Damn, I know what I do. Fuck this bitch again. Miss Click, would you come in here, please? Right away, sir. Come on in here, baby, and put off your clothes with your fine self. Um, I'm down. Nah, I don't want to hear that shit oh, this morning. Wait, can't smoke wait, no I dope, can't sniff no coke. Nah, you, nah, sir. later, later. I can hear all of that shit later. Shit, this. What, what is the red spots on your stomach? That's what I was trying to tell you, sir. What are they? You see, I went to the doctor, and he says I have herpes. The herpes? I resign! Fucking herpes!
I said, Mom, if it was good enough for Daddy, I kind of figured it would be good enough for me. If it was good enough for my Daddy, I just knew it'll be good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was good enough for my Daddy, it's good enough for me.
if it was good enough for my daddy. It was good enough. It was good enough for me. Specialized. 